Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Stanley Kubrick, traveling New York, Netflix, having a life, and Scotch, Lagavulin, Cool Isla, Glenn Moore, and Gene Ardbeg, and so much more. It's been way too long since I've had this amazing chat with Brendan McCarran of Ardbeg and Glenn Moore, and Gene, head of maturation over there. It was an amazing chat, but I've taken so long to bring it to you, and I'll tell you why, actually. Scotch was the last chapter for me to learn about spirits, to understand the rich history, the diverse flavors and regions, and Brendan sitting in here with me in the studio, this was a launching point, a turning point for my interest in Scotch and such other people like Dan Coral and Catherine Socorro. These are people that have influenced me, and now you know what? This is the right time and the right guy to talk about Scotch. So... Without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with the head of maturation for Ardbeg and Glenn Morangie, Mr. Brendan McCarran. in New York I had a busy day but I had nothing on in the evening mm-hmm. so they offered to take me out for dinner but been like five six days in a row so I was like no nah, I'm just gonna go to my room have room service yeah. and not even drink you know I'm just gonna have like water and they had an option to log into your own Netflix account oh um, yes okay. so I didn't think that would work because I've got UK Netflix right. so obviously I've got Netflix so <laughs> can't live without it but I logged in and I ended up sitting in New York City with like buzz going on all around watching a Full Metal Jacket by Stanley Oh my Kubrick. God, Kubrick, yes. Now, I've seen that a hundred times, but it's a, watched it's a, it again. How do you feel? All right, so talking about film commentary here. Uh-huh. How do you feel about like this abrupt second act, right? So they're in training and it's really riveting and it's like really what the movie to me is all about. But then all of a sudden... Yeah, you're back in battle. It's kind of a different movie That's from true. that point, right? That's true. Two yeah. completely different movies. And the first... 10 times I watched it I only liked the first half That's right yeah, yeah. The second half ran out of steam But actually now that I watch it Like just Just on When was I in New York Like two nights ago mm. But actually I, I really Really loved The second scene um, The second act Yeah Even though I know Everything that's going to happen I know everyone is going to die and, Sure um, But no I thought it was Really quite Brutal and you know didn't glamorize war at all and yeah. it just looked like hell on earth. It, it's a it's it's more <clears throat> abstract in a way because like the first half is just people doing this thing to a schedule yeah. being really rigid, then that second act, yeah, everything unfolds. Yeah, and people know. not obeying orders. People yeah, not it's, it's pretty nasty. So yeah, I ended up I ended up leaving New York City the next morning at I don't know nine a.m. and the whole way to the airport I just downloaded things on my phone that I could read in the plane. Yeah, and yeah. all of it was. Facts you didn't know about Full Metal Jacket, no Wikipedia sh- page of Full Metal Jacket, uh, Matthew Modine's take on Full Metal yes. Jacket. So now I've learned a whole load of stuff that I didn't know about, which I now need to go out and buy. Like Matthew Modine kept a diary 
during the show. Are you kidding me? So during the film, he kept a diary. Kubrick asked him to do it so that he got into the kind of mentality of being like a method reporter. acting? Yeah, because yeah, he's maybe a reporter in sure, the, sure. the film. And apparently he was asked to read that out to the rest of the team during the boot camp stages. Yeah. So now he's actually done it as an audio book and he also released it as a diary. So it's called me? Full Metal Jacket Diary. So now I had I'm no like, idea. That's incredible. Did that. But, yeah, but it's just when I go back to things like this, I do love sort of movies, music, films. Uh, I know movies and films the same thing. Um, but then I'm really into just reading up on them and finding out. Little Me too. Facts. Do, you, do you do this? So IMDb is an is an amazing resource, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll watch a movie and be like, this guy looks familiar. What was he in? Yep. And then I'll go backwards. And I'll go find all these other movies like, oh, yeah, that's the same director. Do you do this too? Yes, when you kind I of do. Watch so yeah. just by doing that, I found out that um, Cowboy, who dies at the end uh, of right. Full Metal Jacket, sorry, anyone that didn't know that. Um, <laughs> 1986, <spoiler> right? But <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit late. Yeah. But he's called um, Arlen. He's called Arlen something. Okay. I can't remember his full name. But he's married to Deborah Winger. What? So Deborah Winger, that. really? <laughs> yeah, so she married Cowboy from Full Metal Jacket. See, it's so strange to me, all of this stuff, dude. Like, go, oh man, I'm, yeah, researching Sam yeah, Elliott just I, randomly, it was, like, yeah. he's married to her. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It is, okay, so you know, all right, this is a great way to kind of position all this stuff. Does this make you well equipped? Okay. So you're interested in what is ultimately like the hierarchy and the nomenclature, like the way everything's. It, it built together right uh-huh does that make whiskey as a whole something for you that then becomes kind of the same thing it's like what guy made that one? Oh, he made that one well did he make that one you know you go back and look at it like directors like actors yeah i i, I think i think i just like certain things and yeah. certain things i i'm not going to say obsessive because it's such an overused word sure but certain things i find it easier to learn about than others so I did a university degree in chemical engineering. Yes. And I struggled. Strathclyde, is that yeah, right? Strathclyde yeah, Strathclyde Uni. I struggled. It was really, really tough. It was just so difficult. And it's like fluids and pressures and this and that. But a lot of it was around distillation. Yeah. But the actual pure theory of it was just so tough. But then when I left university, I got my degree. Uh, and I got a job with uh, Diageo, mm. a whiskey company. And very early on, I got tasked onto this project with another chemical engineer to design a distillery. So when you start doing that, there was all these words and phrases coming out yeah. that I was like, I've never heard of this word in my life. So he suggested that what I should do is do these whiskey exams, and it's called the um, IBD, Institute of Brewing and Distilling, yeah. Diploma in Distilling. And genuinely, it's just really interesting. So I ended up starting to learn to answer the questions, but then that same thing of, well, why does this happen? Why does that right, happen? Right. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Exactly. And then I was surrounded by people on that team of, I think there was 10 or 12 people on our project team. You know, I, I had three months experience. Mm. The next low experience person was 22 years. Jeez. So it was just like you had just had this, <laughs> this like you had, you know, Google right, right. or Wikipedia of whiskey. Just these people with, you know, between them a couple of hundred years experience. This so I was incredible. just always asking, but always interested. And it really genuinely is fascinating. I joke about how I have this geeky obsession with barley. Yeah. But it, I genuinely do. There's so much stuff that you can learn about barley. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting. It which, is. It's. I mean, me too. Me too. It, of course, I prefer pop culture, but I do love booze. <laughs> I mean, like, when it comes to agave, for, for, for instance, I'm that yeah. same kind of way. Well, so, all right. So this is an interesting thing because it seems like you have this kind of 
I love people that are rooted in pop culture because uh-huh. we're, we're great at a party. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd be like, oh, you remember that fucking movie about yeah. that fucking thing? Like, yeah. yeah. And then it's, it's ended up being a really good facilitation for conversation. But so growing up in Coatbridge, right, in, uh-huh. in Scotland, what kind of kid were you then? Because it seems like you went down kind of a math science path, but it also seems like you've got this kind of interest in arts and yeah. creative stuff as well. Well, so I'm... Um, from a big family, so yeah. I'm one of five kids. Well, a big enough family, and I'm the fourth out of five. So I had two older oh, wow. sisters, okay. an older brother, and a younger brother. Uh, growing up, the early stages, I was really into computer games. Yeah. So Nintendo. So the um, original NES, right? Uh, the original, the little grey toaster. We even had the robot <laughs> that used to spin the discs to control the controllers, oh, yeah. which was shit. Do you remember the power glove? It. I was talking about that uh, the other night. The power glove never made it to us, but we, oh, we, okay. had, we had... Uh, I can't remember his name, but it was a robot. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. And you I played, either. I can remember the game you played. You played a game called Gizmodo, where Gizmo- you had to move yes, columns yeah, up and yeah. down. So I had that. That taking me back, yeah. And then I started playing Super Mario, Super Mario. Eventually moved on to a Super NES, well, sure. like properly brand loyal as well. So I played a lot of <laughs> computer games. Yeah. I uh, played a lot of soccer, as you call it here. We sure. call it football. Uh, that was another big thing for me. And then movies. See, it's funny. There's a Star Wars poster here. Yeah, that's right. And some... some people will call it the New Hope, but I don't call it the New Hope because it was never called the New Hope. What was it called? Until everything else came out. That's right. Yeah. It was just called Star Wars. It's still just, just Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, but Star Wars. So the original one, the one with Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Alec that Guinness. One, I used to watch that after school every single day. Did you really? When I came back from school on a... Um, like an old cassette kind of thing called a Betamax. Yeah, the big, the yeah, wait, wait, Betamax. Yeah, the Betamax. Oh shit! Everyone yeah. else in the world had a VHS, and yeah. we had Betamax. <laughs> she meant when you went to like the video store, like yeah. Blockbuster. Before it was Blockbuster, it was called Azad, and then they had like six Betamax cassettes, and, and that, that was it. it. No so, kidding. So I used to watch Star Wars obsessively. But it makes you know what's good about Star Wars, though. It makes you think, and not like in a philosophical way. It makes you think. I can maybe imagine things i never imagined before right it, per- yeah. it peaks your imagination i, mean, I, I was, a really I was good young mind. when i was into that i don't like six seven years old but i yeah. just loved it i just so loved that that movie and then i'd say like the 80s was the best time or the early 90s for cinema like oh, yeah. movies at the cinema action movies yeah so die hard well yeah. that's late 80s but that was, yeah. uh, that was yeah so maybe i had to watch that when i was a little older because yeah. my parents were pretty strict about you know see my parents just let me watch whatever and i'm like I'm surprised I'm so well adapted. Yeah, I watched some shit when I was <laughs> I didn't get to see the older stuff till I was old. Yeah. But no, like just I grew up, yes, yeah, so I guess I grew up with pretty much video games, movies, and soccer. Yeah. So that that's was amazing. Kinda, that well, it's like a good combination. Yeah. So then your passions to go to university, as I'm sure yeah. people encourage your folks probably encourage you to do. Where does that leave you in terms of what kind of discipline are you going to study? You got to do something so different. I decided that I was going to do history. So history, okay. I was pretty good at history at school. Yeah. And that was basically the reason I decided is I got a high mark in history and uh, I won a couple of essay competitions yeah. in history. Um, mostly around stuff that I'd watch in movies as well. So stuff around World War One yeah. in particular and a little stuff on World War Two. Actually, the build-up to World War Two. Yeah. Um, but that was it. So I was going to do that. My brother, my older brother, who was already through university or just about to finish university with mm-hmm. a law degree, he sort of sat me down and said, Think about it. Why do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I've got the highest mark in history, so that's what I'll do. And right. I was like, well, think about jobs. Think about, you know, what Be pragmatic, opportunities. Kinda, right? yeah, yeah, what opportunities will you have when you come out? What's the reason you're going to college, a university we got? And then after that, 
that's when I started looking at, and he sort of helped me out, and he's like, you're good at chemistry, you're good at maths. So I started looking, and then eventually chemical engineering came out. I also looked at civil engineering and at environmental yeah. engineering. It's all kind of facets of pretty engineering. Pretty quickly, yeah, I started to focus in on chemicals, so that became my first choice. Did that, did that come from, were your folks in that industry at all? It seems so no. your brother in the law industry no, it no, seems no. pretty varied. No, no, so my mum uh, works in a checkout for yeah. Asda, which is Walmart here. Oh, okay. Uh, my dad worked for... Uh, like a, an insurance collection sure. company just collecting money so you guys all had this kind of interesting unique growing up so yeah. your, your other siblings and stuff they probably pursued it's some all other quite stuff varied, yeah. Yeah. So my sister designs fighter jets what, <laughs> my what? really sister, yeah my yeah. brother uh, has a law degree but doesn't practice law he's like in learning and development really um and then one other older sister um she's sort of part-time she works part-time because she has lots of young kids yeah, so yeah. my nieces um, and then my younger brother, um, he's kind of part carpenter, part um, what we say bricklayer. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Mason, Mason. Sorry, kind of person that like, literally puts the bricks together to build a house. Yeah, you yeah. Say builder. No, bricklayer is good. Yeah, 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 sure. So that's like a qualified trade as well. So he kind of does that. So yes, we're all pretty. Varied. It's very different. <laughs> if you guys put all the minds together. There is, it's possible you could start your own civilization. Yeah, or You kind of have everything. It's possible we could also start a civil war, I think, if you put sure. it on one room. I mean, but... either way, it's exciting to watch. <laughs> it's going to be yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, you know, thinking about food, for instance, uh-huh. maybe maybe booze and scotch, which is probably ubiquitous as you're growing up, right? Uh-huh. Was that any piece of growing up as well? Like eating together, cooking meals, sipping scotch? Like, is that part of the culture uh, too for you? No. no. I'm, I've got, I'm not going to try and paint it some way that yeah. it isn't. No, probably eating together would mostly eat together just because that was practical sure. so we had a big table scotch i didn't get into scotch until i was a bit more grown up yeah. you know 22 21 22 years old after starting to work in a bar you really know, but it was only then that it really started to my dad drank scotch sure. he would drink mostly ta- talisker oh, okay. talisker yeah but he would he would drink whatever he got as a gift or anything like that we weren't, right. we weren't kind of special occasion yeah we weren't overly wealthy growing up so yeah but yeah, that was my first ever interaction with scotch is when I had like a, an ulcer, like a canker sore, I think sure, you call it. Yeah. Um, and there was a rumour that if you sort of rinse scotch over it, it takes away the pain. It, it does help, doesn't uh, it? No, it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> it hurt like hell. Um, <laughs> and then I spat it back out onto like the glass. I was eight years old. Yeah. Oh, eight, so okay. So I spat yeah. it back out into the glass. And I think my dad intended for me to take a little sip yeah. and then hand back the glass so he could drink the rest of it. But I spat it back in, oh, sh- and he was like, "Shit!" So he went, "Right, you might as well just, you might as well just drink it." Yeah. So he get, oh, let me have a. a, a you decent, got recycled scotch already. Yeah, like can't in let the it go So let me have a decent drama scotch at eight years old. I'm guessing eight. I don't know the exact age. Either way, it's I'm very I'm envious. And I didn't and have scotch till I was ten or eleven. Yeah. So <laughs> and again, I'm guessing it was a talisker because that was like what my dad would drink most yeah. if he ever had his hands on it. So yeah, so that, that, that like put me off scotch for like 15, 14, 15 years. <laughs> and then I got back into it. So. Yeah, well, in a, in a serious kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of evolved from one thing into another. So but, it was but, still at college when I got back into it. Yeah, but that was, a, that prob- so when you talk about process and like the chemistry of it and things, which is obviously a huge foundation for scotch or any mm-hmm. distillation, it just seems, did you see that your degree would be best applied for booze? Because it could be used in so many different ways. So yeah. how does that introduction work? Where you getting... again? And I, I, I read about how certain people end up in certain jobs. Yeah, and there's yeah, so yeah. many people who say, "Oh yeah, I knew I wanted to do this since I was two. Sure. Or I knew I wanted to do this since I was four or five. 
you know, I, I didn't. I, I what I did know is the degree I chose would give me an opportunity to work in various right. industries: pharmaceuticals, oil, food, water, and you know, food is like a real generic term, which would sure. include the alcohol industry. Yeah, consumables. Consumables. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I knew there was just lots and lots of opportunities. And then halfway through the course, so not when I picked it, but halfway through, lots of people were joining Diageo, which is one of the bigger sure. whiskey makers, possibly the biggest whiskey maker. Yeah, I think we've heard of those guys. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, one once or twice. Yeah. So I, I think halfway through, I figured this is somewhere which I could end up going. Yeah. But I was still just staying pretty generic you know i wanted to get a job when i left university it wasn't like i was narrowed right in on where i ended just kind of open to whatever opportunity yeah, felt right yeah i think yeah. that the, i think the narrowing into realizing this is what i want to do forever was like halfway through my first week first year with diageo because i worked on like a really cool project yeah. and i worked with people who'd been in this industry for a long time so i really started to get it then sure. How, so, did your family have one feeling about it one way or the other they're like no cool you're doing something practical with that degree yeah, I, I, I think they were just keen for me to get yeah. a job, you know. I think they had that many kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, just get out of the house. Just, you could be like a landscaper, get, just get fucking like house, do your thing. You know, yeah. I, I need a gym or something probably. <laughs> but it seems like it. you took to it. Yeah, Scotch yeah, yeah. itself became kind of like this interesting topic for you. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I started, so probably started in about like when I was 22, 23, something like that. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend... At university at college she's she had a she had a girl she was friends with who started going out with this guy called craig uh-huh. and me and him got quite pally so we used to all hang out together he was into the same soccer team as me and used to hang out and whenever i go around his house you know just when we we're getting ready to head out at night he always had three or four bottles of scotch and that in my generation was fairly uncommon yeah. usually young people drank beer um, maybe they'd drink some spirits, but they'd be white spirits. Sure. Um, and possibly you'd you'd drink whiskey at a wedding, a funeral, a christening, a special occasion. Yeah, 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 occasions. But no, he always had a few scotches there, and he, he was just someone who was into it. So it was him that kind of started me on it. He was like, try this one, try this one. What do you think of this one? What do you think of yeah. that one? A spirit started, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, so I started really getting into it. And then the funny thing was, like, he, um, he moved abroad mm. you know for a long time and i randomly met up with him not totally randomly but i managed to meet up with him like two years ago yeah. and i was like hey how's it going so he was living out in the middle east and he's a quantity surveyor and i was like how's it going he's great and he's like what is it you do and i was like well <laughs> and i've got a confession to make and i was like now i I'm, i make whiskey <laughs> so he was like wow because when i first met him i was like you know i don't really drink it that much yeah. don't know much about it but were you the, so were you in able the 10 to years it's pretty much flipped that's amazing <laughs> are you were you able to say this is what i've been working on and he's like oh i've heard of that or saying yeah. like, just like you're yeah, teaching yeah, yeah. him yeah so he has the student becomes round, the teacher went right? around to his house and he had a bottle of bag in the house no and i was care. like yeah i made that that's incredible so he's now moving back to scotland so i think i owe him some free samples sure you know? <laughs> i i love the i don't know you know that you learn from these people when they go in, the, in these other directions but then somehow you excel, right? Yeah. You excel. Well, well he thing. was he was just a drinker of it. You know, he never worked in the industry. But he that just passion, though, was right? Just drinking it, but he loved scotch. Yeah. And then after that, a few years after him, sort of just showing me how to drink scotch, what he liked, what he didn't like, kind of thing. Then the job for Diageo started to appear, and I was like, "Yeah, this could be, this could be the one for me." Yeah, it's amazing. And again, sort of serendipitously. Um, I applied for the job because my girlfriend was homesick. We mm. were living down in England, so I applied for the job then. 
And then when I got the job, they said, where do you want to go? And again, I said, I want to go wherever the best job is. You know, I, I really don't know how to choose. I sure. don't, I'm not a member of the company yet. And again, it was another bit of luck or serendipity or whatever you want to call it that they placed me up in malt distilling. So I started working on maltings, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but I was doing quite a low level project. They were just trying to introduce me to the company. But then they made the decision to build Rose Isle, which was the first single malt scotch distillery in 30 years. Okay. And then because of the degree I had and being a graduate, I got in on the project right on day one. So it's just all these sort of... Serendipitous, I think it's yeah, a great word yeah. for it. Yeah, just all these sort of being right place, right time, and then but then grabbing the opportunity. When you seem like a good bloke. Not too pretentious, right? Like this is the oh, thing no. that I think that with Scotch... As you sure, I'm sure you travel. I know you guys were in Houston at Reserve One One last night talking yeah. about Glen Morangi. And I'm going to say this right eventually. It's one of those things I'm kind of getting to try to say. But what the what Glen Morangi? Glen Morangi, thank yeah, you. So yeah, think yeah. like an orange. Yeah, I know. I keep hearing this, but I still it's fuck hard. it up. Yeah, I still fuck it up. It's because it's because the middle. It's actually three words. So it's Glen. Yeah, and then space, and then more. Oh, okay. Well, space, there we go. And then Angie. More. So back yeah. in the day, so more means big. Okay. That's why Glen means kind of valley and the Anthe bit means peace. Peace. It just means big, peaceful valley or Glen of tranquility. Yeah. But that's why. So it's Glen Morangy. It's, I, I really wouldn't worry about it because, oh, I don't even want to pick a percentage, but a high percentage of people <laughs> say something that's different, yeah. but it's recognizable. Well, so I'm, lear- I'm learning Spanish right now. So okay. I'm fucking everything up. Like, <laughs> I, I'm pronouncing Scottish like terms with a, you know, like rolling all these things. So pardon that. For me, but being out in the field, you know, talking about scotch, like it's a larger category. Is it stiff? Is it stuffy? Is it pretentious? Because you, to me, do not feel that way. We're talking about dumb shit, but to you and I, it's awesome, right? I love yeah. talking about movies and it's stuff that's really, really influential for us. Uh-huh. But you're in rooms all the time with probably rich white dudes that are drinking scotch. But how is that being in that room generally and traveling? Is it loose? Is it stuffy? I think I wouldn't say stuffy. No, I think you you tend to have a mix of people in a room. Yeah. Um, the one thing is everyone's really passionate, about, which is great. So you're just really appreciative of that. It's really cool to get to travel around the world. Yeah. You know, when they when they let me out of Scotland, I get to go to some really cool places. Uh, I guess sometimes people have deep set opinions on how to drink scotch, right. and I'll never change their mind, and that's fine. So some people from like my dad's generation, if I say I'm going to add some water to this, they say, "No, nah, you've just." ruined that scotch yeah. and I'm like I tend to think I know what I'm doing a little. <laughs> um, but that's I don't okay. know it's, we'll see you, know, we'll you see. know but some people are just like no you don't know what you're doing yeah. and that, that's fine that's fine uh, I suppose it's just that's how they like it right. and that's great but you just got to appreciate there's lots and lots of different people who want to drink it in lots and lots of different ways Do you think- but then I'll get guilty of it too because f- I'd say five years ago or something you asked me should you put single malt scotch in a cocktail right. I'd probably say no no because I tried stuff that had just been straight switches. Right. So instead of putting vodka into a cocktail, just put any single malt scotch. And of mm. course it doesn't work. Yeah. But now people are making really good cocktails and they're literally focusing in on the flavours of Glenmorangie Original or the flavours of Ardbeg Oogadal or yeah. whatever it is and they're making cocktails that suit. Well, that's something that so Dan did. To, I've had to hold my hands up and say, yeah, I It's changed, changed the, whole, the whole way that we look at these things because, well... The people that are becoming actualized drinkers are mm-hmm. younger, right? Yeah. Information, since it's so ubiquitous, anybody can learn about every piece of the process, which is a great thing because there's so much transparency now. Yeah. It's not like, well, I want a Rob Roy, right? I think that's the right cocktail I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. And so 
all of a sudden that's a fucking amazing cocktail that you never really would have thought of putting a brilliant scotch into yeah you know you just throw you throw put a throwaway scotch no you're right but yeah dan was here just a few months ago at pesce and kind of saying like okay guys it's okay that we do this you know it's okay to break the formality if it tastes good and it feels good yeah it's all about it right yeah totally totally and um the other thing i'd say what because you said is it just full of stuffy older white guys i mean i genuinely think that <laughs> it's on my mind lately yeah, being in the states yeah. i just yeah um anecdotally and so i don't have any numbers or percentages right. or figures but just what i see in scotland what i see uh, back home what i see in like england and the rest of the uk what yeah. i see when i come to america is i think there is more younger people drinking scotch straight off yeah which is you know a real change to what i was used to like when i was at college no one was drinking scotch you know or one percent right guy right. craig that i talked about well, it's become very one it's interesting a, dude that was doing it whereas yeah. now you get an awful lot of people and i think it is information i think it's partly education it's partly maybe affordability yeah. of it it's partly availability of it i think but people so. are learning a lot more about scotch and especially single malt there and was you this, see it more and more the, the, this interesting notion and i never really thought about this because i'm stubborn you know i was a punk kid and all that shit so it's like <laughs> i'll drink what i want to drink because that's just how i'm going to be but Single malt's no longer your grandfather's drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's your peer's drink. And so you don't have to feel like people feel when they feel uncomfortable about drinking something or that they'll be judged for it, they don't drink it. But now that it's kind of becoming ubiquitous and people are getting more familiar with scotches and not just hinging so much on how old they are, now it's becoming a drink of the people. Yeah. Right? Which is a really big difference versus 10 years ago. I guess... Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the other thing is, let me think, like in the 1980s, yeah. that's when single malt pretty much started. Now, it's been made for hundreds of years. Sure. That's when, as a thing, it started. So the 1990s, it was slowly becoming available. I think it's now you really can go into a liquor store and find quite a lot of different single malts to try. Yeah. So I think that helps a lot too. Because even if someone tells you about a certain single malt, it tastes this way and it tastes that if you can't walk into a store and get it or you can't order it from behind a bar, so I think that's a big part to play in it too. It is, but yeah. definitely the amount of information that's out there, it's it's getting better all the time. I'm getting to speak to a lot more people about it, and some people just literally like soak the information in, and then they just want to try something new, something different. Yeah, keep coming back to the ones that they love. It's an amazing thing. It's a great I, job. It's a great industry. It's a great thing to be doing. So yeah. social. So in it, before we talk about what I feel may be the most formative chapter of, of your career with Glenn Morangy, how do you like the traveling? How do you like being on stage? And I think I asked Dan the same question. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the center of attention. Now, I'm not saying it's egotistical, but you're out there. You're performing. You've got a script. You're reading the crowd. How do you like that piece of the job? Well, <clears throat> yeah, I quite like it. The travel <laughs> bit, I'm not going to lie. When you have to travel to the, especially the West Coast of America, so that's the furthest point away from Scotland. Yeah. You travel to Asia. The being in a plane is is not a lot of fun, and there's no denying the fact it's uh, it's hard work. It's rising pretty early in the morning, mm. um, working two, three, four, five events towards the end of a night. Yeah, so it can be tough. But yeah, I, I like to talk. Um, I'm not. I used to be very shy and I find really? very tough to speak in public. How yeah. did you work on that? To just practice, bring, just practice, practice. I think, and sort of coming out my shell a bit, growing up a little when I went to college yeah. instead of being in sort of like survival mode in a high school. Right. Um, and then, yeah, it just comes. It just it just sort of, sort of clicked. And then if you're talking about something you're passionate about, 
that really helped. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah, it gets a lot easier. And then, yeah, just I, I do enjoy speaking to people. Um, I tend to get good feedback from my tastings. Yeah. And I mean, but that's that's pretty good because you're sitting there with people who, you know, want to hear about scotch. So right. it's not like you're cold calling no, someone. No, they and want I'll, to like spend some time with you. Yeah, and it tends to be in cool venues like last night in Reserve 101 and yeah. a private room. So it was a very cool spot, except for the fact that it didn't have any air conditioning. So oh, shit, I didn't Literally, know that. it was a hot spot. Oh, you know? man. Yeah. Well, the scotch helps because you stop feeling it after a while. Well, I heat. almost died. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Scottish people don't do well above 60 Fahrenheit. So yeah, that's was, fair. This was like double that. But no, like I say, you're sitting with a big crowd of people drinking some really nice Glenmorangies yeah. and some really exclusive Ardbegs, so I wasn't going to leave the room for that. We can't, right? How, so, the, so the last kind of question about this uh-huh. piece, when you talk about balance, uh-huh. you've got access to beautiful, ex- sometimes expensive, exquisite spirits. How do you put a line in the sand and saying, well, I'll drink this and not this, not tonight, but tomorrow? Like, how do you build that balance of drinking and being social and keeping your head on straight, which is a difficult thing? Um, I'm not sure I know what you mean. How, well, so how do you mean balance? I was immediately I went to like balance of flavors inside this. Oh course, right, right, so right. I've went down the wrong route. I think the consummate taster, right? That's that's uh-huh. right, Brennan. No, what I mean is you've got temptation around you all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you balance mm-hmm. not drinking with drinking and engaging with these folks? Yeah, so. On the roads, we get to go to nice venues. We get to have very nice dinners. Right. So I always stay in a hotel with a gym. So we got like a two-hour break. So I've literally just came out of the gym. Um, I took up running. So I used to always play soccer. Yeah. Now I've just got too old to play soccer, (laughs) you know, too many injuries. But I like to run. So I like going on distance runs. Yeah. So that helps my music as well. So that's That's quite an eclectic playlist for going running. Yeah. Uh, I ran my first marathon this year as well. No kidding. Yeah. So it's a way to just... It's just a good bit of balance to stop it from just being about, you know, just constantly really enjoying single malts. Yeah. So I think that all helps. And then when you're on the roads, the Dan and the other ambassadors, you know, they're they're good to me. They give me some pretty hard days where we've got lots and lots and lots of events. Yeah. And then they give me some other days where it's a little bit more, you know, spaced out so I get a chance. So health. I mean, that's that is a really important thing as we grow older. I think you and I are roughly the same age, I think. Yes, I'm, I'm 1980, I was born. Yeah, me too. See, ah, there we go. Perfect. Same age, in, in fact. But it's one of those things where it's easy to get booze. It's real easy. But it's really difficult to say, I'm going to take this time out, focus on my body, focus on my mind, and all of that balance. So running, the fact that you go, make sure to make time for that. I think that's a really important message for people. You have to do that. Yeah, well, I just, I just like running. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just like running. And then I, I got involved with a friend who wanted to run a marathon and my hometown had its first ever marathon this yeah. year. So that's why we did it. That's crazy. It's just that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And then I, I suppose there are things when you're on the road and you're talking about this, it's just putting breaks in schedules, make sure you eat. Yeah. And this temperature, make sure you have plenty of water. Well, you might melt. <laughs> you might literally melt in front of me. I could, <laughs> I could evaporate. You know, normally I'd go outside for a run, but I'm not going out in that. It's, it's not, it's, a, it's very breezy today, however. Uh, yeah. But you it's still might like die. Breezy hot fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something like the like a, a cauldron. I don't yeah. know. Like something like that. Well, so then this opportunity, you know, you spent a great amount of time working in different pieces of the business in yep. New York and in Scotland and the UK for Diageo. How did the opportunity come about to work with Glenn Morangy? Yeah, so <clears throat> I had been the distillery manager at Oban yeah. Distillery, um, and I was there for a couple of years. And then I moved from Oban to Isla, 
And on Isla, I was the group manager. So I looked after all of the Diageo sites on Isla. So that's um, Lagavulin, Kalila, uh, Port Ellen, which yeah. used to be a distillery, but it's now a maltings. So it makes big, smoky malted barley. Yeah. And then also the visitor centres and the engineering centres there. And I was there for about three years. Yeah, three years, pretty much dead. Um, and I was coming towards the end of my tenure on Isla because Diageo like to rotate people here, there and everywhere. Sure. And towards the end of that, I was also getting married. You know, so I was getting married in the March of that year, mm-hmm. uh, which is 2014. And at the same time, so as we're approaching the end of 2013, I'm making preparations to get married, starting to wonder about, you know, where are we going to live? Because my wife was, my fiance at the time, was living on the mainland. Yeah. And the other thing I used to do is when I made malted barley, the biggest, smokiest batches of malted barley we made, we sold to Ardbeg Distillery. Okay. So I knew the Ardbeg team because I was literally their supplier. So yeah. I would supply them with uh, lorry loads of malt each week and we'd meet maybe every quarter, so every couple of months to review mm. how happy they were, what they were looking for, what could be changed. So I knew Mickey and the team well. I also play soccer. So you had some good yeah. some good contacts over yeah. there already. Yeah, and I also play soccer, so I knew half the team that work at Ardbeg because they were <laughs> in the same soccer team as me. So I used to run out with an Ardbeg sponsorship yeah. on my soccer jersey. Were they sponsoring you? Were yeah. they sp- <laughs> Everyone used to find quite weird, you know, because I worked for Port Ellen and yeah. Lagavulin, but I was running about with an Ardbeg top on. So all of that came together. So at the same time as I, I thought I would just stay with Diageo, to be honest, I couldn't see me going anywhere else. But then as I was getting ready to get married, me and my wife were trying to work out, well, where will we live? Yeah. What will we do? She was thinking about moving to Ireland. I was like, but I won't be here forever. They'll rotate me. And at that same time, I got contacted by um, a company who were doing the recruiting for this job to take over as like the assistant to Dr. Bill. I mean, it's kind of a big job. Yeah. How did they even know who to look for? So, well, I don't know. You would have to ask them that. Yeah. But they'd been looking for like three years and they hadn't quite found the right fit. They'd changed the job description a few times. They'd moved it up. They'd moved it down. They'd made it more senior, made it more junior. Um, But when I seen it, I thought, I'm not sure this role's quite the same seniority that I was at because this was quite a junior role. Yeah. But I'll go in and have a word. And so I got invited in and I got to sit down with Bill and with the operations director as well, a guy called Pete, and we had a chat. And I think at the end of that first chat, we all kind of agreed this job isn't really the right one, is it? Yeah. So we had a lot of real mature discussion about it. But then about a month later, they asked me to come in again and they says, we've thought about it and we might actually change the role a bit to sort of suit where you're at right now, what you want to do. Wow. And then from that, it kind of evolved. So we, we sat and we chatted four or five times and also Bill gave me a kind of surprise sensory test where I had to pick out flavours. I had right, to do right. nosing of like 25 samples. I had to taste two whiskies and write down the tasting notes, the the colour, the initial aroma. The, the gauntlet. The tasting. Yeah, yeah. So I ran a gauntlet of stuff, which fortunately I passed. And then actually on my honeymoon, on the first day of my honeymoon, I got the call and they said, you've got the job. That's so incredible. That's kind of what happened, which was three and a half years ago. So, and then when I started, I'd kind of figured, well, this will be, if I do well, you know, I can become the replacement of Bill. Right. And Bill said, well, that's why you're here. That's the whole intention of why I've hired you is for you to take over from me. Did you ever expect 10 years prior that you would be leading a distillery like that? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I just I just knew it sounded like an exciting job. And as I spoke to all the people that work at that company, at the yeah. Monji company, I knew more and more that I could really work here. I'd really enjoy it. I really think this would be a good move yeah so still it's a big step to leave a big company where i was in quite a safe role when i was established mm. but you know there's been no regrets because dr bill's like a really good guy 
You guys get on well? Yeah, very, yeah. Uh, almost too well. You know, <laughs> some more sense no, of humor. No, let's get to work. Let's stop. Yeah, yeah, some more sense of humor, some more attitude to whiskey, some yeah. more attitude to life. You know, um, you have lots of really weird similarities, even some mannerisms. No kidding. Kind of freak this guy David Blackmore, who's the global brand ambassador uh-huh. for Glenmorangie Nardbeg. He gets freaked out by it because he knows Bill really well. And then he sees me do stuff and he's like, oh, this is like <laughs> history repeating itself, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, so it seemed like it was a cultural fit from the beginning. It was fateful in a way. Yeah. Because you presumed you got that position and now are working and blending and all of that. So this is the thing that's, you know, it's been on my radar this whole past 33 minutes is Dan pulled out this kind of unlabeled bottle. Uh-huh. This juice here, you had a hand in it. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the thing that's most exciting about me, whether it's a mezcalero or tequilero. Uh-huh. Those guys that make it that I could sit here and sip it with you. Yeah, and your stinky hands have been all up in that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is this beautiful unmarked kind of prohibition looking little bottle that we yeah, get the so, privilege of sipping here? So this this whiskey isn't even available yet. So this is a Glen Morangy. Yeah, and it's called Astar. Now for any of the people who listen to your podcast, they might have heard of Glenmorangie Astar before because about 10 years we released this product. It was a one-off, kind of, it was about for a little short period of time, just a couple of batches of this Glenmorangie matured in extra special casks, sort of bespoke casks. Sure. Now it was so successful, this Glenmorangie Astar, that it inspired the private edition series, um, which is our one-off, once-a-year release. So much so that some people think this was the first private edition Glenmorangie It wasn't. But basically, this is one of the best whiskies I'd ever tasted and one that I really loved before I'd worked for the company. Man. And I've always wanted to bring it back. I've always wanted to bring it back. Yeah. So Bill and I got challenged by some of the team and they said, what can we bring out as a, as a one-off if you had to make one? And Bill and I both had said separately Glenmorangie So what it is is... Glenmorangie's famous for being matured in bourbon casks. Mm-hmm. And when you buy bourbon casks, you use them. And the first time you use them, you call it first fill. The second time, second fill. Yeah. So this is all in Glenmorangie first fill casks. So it's American white oak. And first fill, bourbon But it goes further than that. These are like completely bespoke casks. We call them our designer casks. They cost like five times a regular cask. Are they still the same 53-gallon kind of thing? Or are um, they yeah, yeah. So uh, they the cost, the cost five times the price. Yeah. Um, they are ex-bourbon casks made of American white oak mm-hmm. but we literally control every single stage of the process wow. so we find the trees that we want which are slow growth tight grained we then have them air seasoned for the exact amount of time we want we then have them filled with a bourbon mm. for about four years and when I say about four years actually it's four years pretty much on, on the dot, dot. Yeah. we then have them emptied and sent to us and then we fill them with the floral fruity Glenmorangie New Make Spirit and then we mature them in these designer casks. Yeah. Now, the first ever Astar was Glenmorangie matured in these designer casks. Um, since then, we just simply can't get enough of these casks, nowhere near, because they can only make them in tiny amounts because they are so specific. Sure. So that's why Astar has never existed again. But it's always been part of the recipe of Glenmorangie original, possibly something we don't talk about enough. Yeah. But I've been working on it for a couple of years now and doing lots of analysis as has um, one of the team in the Whiskey Creation team, a girl called Bryony McNiven, who runs some of our analytical machinery. Mm. And we've been pulling lots of data, lo- and I've been doing lots of sensory analysis on the extractives, the oak flavourings sure. that come through. 
and we finally got uh, I got enough of these special designer casts ring fenced that I was able to start working on a brand new Glenmorangie oh, that's Aster. amazing so this is the second release of Glenmorangie version Aster. 2 this is like the 2017 work on it yeah. so uh, it comes out in like a month you know so it's no coming shit. out very soon so we get to sample this before yeah. it's out that's pretty brilliant and the last thing I'll say is I personally I don't like Glenmorangie's necessarily above 92 proof uh-huh. I think the sweet spot is between 80 and 86 but I've been travelling for three years now and talking about whiskey when I get the chance and probably the most consistent bit of feedback I get is we really want to try a higher proofed sure. uh, Glenmorangie the original Astar was 114.2 Wow, okay. Um, so this one, it's not that high because that was my one criticism of that previous whiskey, too, which I loved. It's just too high yeah. for me. It kind of closed it up and you lost some of the flavour. Absolutely, yeah. So I always added some water to it. This one, I would have done it even lower, but I have to listen to what people are asking for. They want something that's over 50, over yeah. 100. Uh-huh. So this one's 105. Proof. 105. So it's kind of like all the classic flavours that you'll get in Glenmorangie original but mm. the woody bits really turned up Yeah. so as my boss Dr Bill says he says it's like Glenmorangie on steroids so it's like supercharged I mean it really I mean, upped all first fill the nose is insanely beautiful I mean it's, it's you can smell because I like a little bit of alcohol on the uh-huh. nose I definitely uh-huh. do if I can't get any then it's, it's really difficult for me to trust it yep but this has punch but it also has beauty and so now you sipped it so now I gotta sip it too mmm I always get this massive sort of perfumed floral note on it at this higher strength. Mm. And it has a nice bit of reassuring, spicy, clove, toastiness, if you like. But it's so cool because it's both dark and light, right? You have some punchy, crisp fruit elements, right? But oh, then, absolutely, yeah. But then you got some wood and you got those dark spices. So for me, this is very, very sultry. You know, I could kiss this a lot. You know, that's, I mean, that's how it goes. It's it's just, it, it makes you want more, you know, until you've had too much, I guess. And then you walk walk on. But <laughs> when is, you said, so about a month, this is coming out? Yes, yeah, this comes out in like a month's time, something Ish. like that. Yeah. This is where I fall down because I make the whiskey. Well, it's hard. It's a hell of a journey yeah, to get I, it over I've, here, right? I, I've put, I put the batch together um, like a month and a half ago. Yeah. So at, once that happens for me, it then gets bottled and it comes out to the world. So. I'm never great on specific launch dates, but it's coming it's amazing, out soon. And this it's is from this year. A brainchild of yours. This, this is, is killer. This is very much, yeah, I did the cast selection. I put the batch together. Bill, so Bill is still in charge sure. and Bill will be for a very long time. So he has final sign off and yeah. he's always there to help me. But he came in and looked at it and he said, this is it. This is, this is it. It's perfect. Man, it's incredible. That was good to hear. Yeah. But, you know, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. But he is letting me get involved. That's a way to learn. That's his theory you to how you to. learn, and I agree. You know, he's yeah. letting me get my hands dirty, if you like. Well, among other amazing things happening at Glenmorangie, uh-huh. and I'm wondering where this evolves to, and I bet you don't know what I'm going to ask you, but how the hell did you build a bike? You guys built the bike out of used casks. Yes. What? Don't, once you get inevitably get pulled over because it smells like whiskey, they're thinking <laughs> biking around and having a little bit too much fun. So it's, it's called like beyond the cask. So yeah. it's, it's sort of back to Glenmorangie original. And Glenmorangie's original is famous for only using our casks twice. Mm. Because like we talked about first fill and second fill. And with Astar there, this is like a completely bespoke first fill. Uh, but with Glenmorangie original, we use firsts and seconds. Yeah. And lots of distilleries will use their cast three, four, five, six, seven times. 
which is perfectly good and it makes great whiskey. But we are so specific because we want Glenmorangie original to be about 60% oak derived yeah. flavours and oak driven and about 40% that spirit quality, that spirit character of sure, the distillery. Sure. That's why we only use the cast twice. First time gives a lot of vanilla, a lot of honey, some coconut, mm. that clove spice. The second time allows that fruity character of the distillery to shine through. And again, a common question, people say, well, what do you do after you've used the cast twice? Yeah. And this is just something that we started doing. So uh, we made some wooden sunglasses last year in good. collaboration. That's a good use. Yeah, yeah good. with a company called Finlay. And this year, we got together with this really cool American company called Renovo, yeah. who make just incredible bikes. And we sent them some of our casks after we'd used them twice. Yeah. And we sent them to them, and they've turned them into these unbelievable wooden bikes that's incredible yeah. are you guys actually so what's is there a plan to sell these bikes or is it just something to say it'd be great to have you know, give them to the public or whatever I, f- I think you're able to buy these bikes yeah but we're going to you know we're going to have some events where we'll let people come and see the bikes and yeah. let them try some good morangy original and they can just see what else can happen to these casks because it is high quality American white oak. Yeah, so it's very It's strong. just a way of showing something else that you can do after we've used the cast twice. What, which makes a lot of sense because sustainability, renewed, all these things are really, really important things for a distillery especially because you're going through the water, you're going yep. through the grain. But I just wonder how much I would just sit there and lick the bike. Uh, just to be frank, like if it, you know, I was kind there of stiff and be like, like which, which one did they put it? Which one, which one was aged in this bike that I've got, you know? And the tires are rubber, right? Because that'd be amazing. If uh, we, yeah, okay, we, okay. we can't quite, maybe maybe in 10 years' time, that could be the innovation where we suddenly invent wooden wheels. But, uh, no, no, no. And the, the, the gears are made of, you know. Metal. Okay, all right. Well, that's fine. <laughs> wooden you know, gears and wooden We've come a long wheels. way already, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Can you see, you know, this is kind of a stupid, funny question, but what's something else you could do with those barrels? You think about that? I think... Shoes, clogs. Cl- you could do clogs. Yeah. yeah, you could do clogs. I mean, George Washington had wooden teeth. See, you maybe there do you a go. range of dentures. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Drum kits. Uh, hey. oh, definitely a drum kit. You yeah, have to for do Dan. That. Definitely. Oh my god, that. wouldn't that come full circle? We could, give them, we could give them like uh, drumsticks. Maybe yeah, like drumskins. You, you could know, definitely make like drumsticks. That should be really head. easier. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be too easy to turn the drumsticks into something else, but have wooden drums. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I so think, it's good. All right. I think it's just it's just a little cool thing that we do because we try to think what do we do after we've used our cast twice. Yeah, we gotta do something with it. Yeah, you know, so it's just time we're making bikes. Well, we've got whiskeys of the world. You know, is that why you guys are kind of traveling, talking about Glenmorangie? There's this whiskeys of the world event tomorrow night, which is which would be good. You get to showcase some of the spirits. You're going to be there behind yes. the booth with Dan as well. So, so I, I will have a booth Oh, you have there a masterclass. And I have a masterclass right. too, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was actually here last year as well yeah. to have a booth and a masterclass too. So I guess we we try and fit our schedule, our travel schedule, because I, I don't get to do it often. Yeah, Try and fit it to make a few festivals or a few um, events. But it is also here because there's new whiskeys coming. Yeah. The biggest reason for this trip is at Ardbeg, uh, one of my first projects, which started three years ago, was to make the fourth permanent edition of Ardbeg. Uh-huh. And that launched right now. So it launched last week. It's called Ardbeg Anno. So that is the main reason for this trip. So no it's kidding. Anno. So I've been working hard on Ardbeg Anno, as is Dr. Bill, but mm-hmm. he's really pushed me to sort of have this project. This is some, something he cut my teeth on for the yeah. last three years. So it's to launch Ardbeg Anno in many ways. It's just kind of like a... It's like a it's like a smokier and sweeter expression of Ardbeg Ten, which mm-hmm. is our most famous Ardbeg. 
So it sort of goes up in a smoky level, but it also has lots of sweet flavor. So it's going in two directions. When it, it kind of offsets it. Those two things, if they're yeah. both amped, they kind of can't exactly. not cancel each other, but they enhance well, each other. Exactly. Yeah. You're no. Do you know what? They actually do cancel each other out if you're not careful. No kidding. And that was the big challenge because we went down two routes. We thought, let's make a really sweet Ardbeg. Yeah. And it tasted amazing. Tasted of the one I always think of. It tasted like these sort of pan fried figs with honey and balsamic vinegar over them. Yeah. Because you know, wow. I like to eat. Um, it tastes so, like that. Huh? <laughs> but the problem is that was our big and PX cast, Pedro Jimenez yeah, cast. Yeah. But the problem with that was it didn't particularly smell of smoke. Ah. And if it doesn't smell and taste of smoke, it's not really an Ardbeg. You know, it's not a permanent Ardbeg anyway. And this is to be the fourth expression of Ardbeg yeah. first in 10 yeah. years. So then we started going down a different route and I started looking at Ardbeg that had been maturing in uh, new char oak, French oak casks. Mm. This is basically casks that would go to bourbon distillers mm. and we just literally got them before they went to the bourbon distillers. I see. So really punchy, spicy notes. But those notes almost enhance the smoke. They don't hide it. Yeah. So it was using these two very different parcels along with using a sort of a spine or a heart mm. of our big and ex-bourbon casks. That's how we managed to get this further up Smokiness, yeah, but that's altogether rounder and sweeter flavor at the same time. It's the it's the lemon punchiness and then the heart of Paul McCartney, right? So you ah. get the softness <laughs> and the, really you have the aggressiveness and the forward kind of thing. I that's I you know you'll hear me talk about that a lot, but that's how it is for me. It's like those two things balance each other out because they create total harmony in their differences. Yeah, so the first aromas, most people, so some people just get the sweetness, but first aroma should be of like that big yeah. medicinal isla smoke. But then it, the sweetness does come. You get like we call it treacle, which is a Scottish word, kind of kind of a molasses, like a, right? Yeah, a candied yeah. molasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then you get some dried fruits, and you get this lovely, nice length in the whiskey. Yeah, and then as you taste, you start to get some more smoke, and it's like smoked tea. And you might even get like smoked botanicals as well, oh. like burning coriander or flamed cinnamon. Sure. And then towards the end, the smoke continues, but then you get almost an interesting, like an intriguing kind of savoury note. And to me, it was almost like these sort of hen of the woods mushrooms that are a little thicker, a little meatier yeah. in a char. Um, Dr. Bill, Dr. Bill yeah. thought that it had a roasted artichoke flavour, grilled artichoke That's... flavour. So that actually made... You, have you guys had dinner? Because I'm getting a little hungry now. Yeah. You're talking about all this I'm telling stuff. You, this, is, this is part of the job. <laughs> yeah. Part of the job of being a distiller or a whiskey creator Tough is job. eat it's... lots of different foods. <laughs> Don't just order the same thing off the menu and yeah. just... So much of it ties in together. Are you guys going to have that tomorrow night to taste? Yes, good. We will. Because that's, it's, I mean, it's on shelf. I'll now, skip you dinner know? and just go <laughs> I just come and have it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's it, it came out um, first of the month. Yeah. So this has like genuinely this has been three years of my life has gone into making this. So it's quite a nervy thing letting yeah. people taste it for the first time. But so far the feedback's been good. That's incredible. And there's a there's a great um, review website called scotchwhiskey.com mm. which is quite a tough review site but they've given it a 90 out of 100 so that's brilliant that felt really good as well but yeah i've, I've got to try it now oh well please final please. the final word in whiskey obviously <laughs> <laughs> the place to stop that's right. big, yeah. so i've got two questions left for you because i know you've got a short trip here in mm-hmm. texas and you guys got great things to do this evening so this is going to appeal to both of our love of pop culture okay so you are at any bar you want in the world. Uh-huh. And you can sip any scotch you want. Doesn't matter what it is, okay? But you can sit there and have a conversation with any living or deceased actor. Who would you love to just sit there and have a great chat and get on with? 
This is going to require some thinking time. Yeah. <clears throat> That's tough. <laughs> that is really, really tough. It changes from season to season, too. Yes, yeah. one thing I've got to say. So, the, my big argument, and I've actually mentioned this at a couple of cases I've been asked before because I do a lot of movie quotes. Yeah. Is, you know, what's your favorite movie? Mm. And it's ridiculous. It's, it's a toss up between two, probably. But then if you start mentioning more, you're going to get a list of yeah, 10. Sure. But the two that are always near the top, it's either Goodfellas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's either Goodfellas. Yeah. Or, it says a real bizarre change, it's a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Perfect. Though. But I mean the yeah. Gene Wilder one, not yeah, the yeah, shit of course. Johnny Depp one, because I did not like that at all. No, it's not very good. So, I guess, a really sad thing that I found out is, for the one year with Diageo, I lived in Connecticut. Uh-huh. And Gene Wilder, I mean, other Gene Wilder stuff, I've loved the stuff he did with Richard Pryor. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. God, there's another guy I could talk about, Richard Pryor. But... I found out Gene Wilder lived like two miles from me. Gene Wilder no lived in Connecticut. Way, are you and kidding? I only found out when he passed away because he passed away recently. Yeah. And I found out Gene Wilder lived like two miles away. It's probably best I only found that out after he died because I'd probably You'd be like, him down, chapping him on his door and yeah. <laughs> try to get time. So probably that would be it. Probably it'd be Gene Wilder. Oh man, that's brilliant. Yeah. All the stuff he did with Mel Brooks. I mean, it's just genius. Mel Brooks, stuff yeah. he did with Richard Pryor. Yeah. Even, like, he very rarely appeared in the UK, but some of the things that he did on chat shows yeah. were just, he was just phenomenal. Just a really, really great guy. That's an amazing thing. But yeah, yeah it, that's, I would go for that because he has sadly passed away now Right, well, well and he, you know, the, the love of his life passed too. Like, think yeah. about how that motivates yeah. him. Gilda Radner dies of cancer and like, he lived out his later year. I mean, I think he did get remarried eventually, but he's probably got such a story to tell. Yeah. That's good. And I since like I've never lot. met him, since I've never met him, I would be tempted to offer this art bag and O because I'm very proud of it. Yeah. It's been so much of my life. And I, I've lived on Isla for a long time. But you know what? I don't know what his, I don't know what his tastes are. I don't know what he likes. So definitely like a whiskey that's like, definitely one that connoisseurs love, but one that I would yeah. always use as an introductory as well. I'd probably sit down with Glenmorangie original. It's brilliant. So the last question, and maybe people ask you this too. You say Dr. Bill is going to be around for a long time. Of course he's going to be around yeah. for a long time. But what if you had the keys to the castle? What if you were the guy leading it? Does that seem like something that appeals to you here in the future? To be the man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, that's that's the, the goal, plan. Right? Yeah, that's the You're plan. You're being groomed? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bill's teaching me. It's like an apprenticeship. And he has done just things that he's pretty much shaped the single malt scotch category with wood finishing mm-hmm. you know unlike anyone else and there's some great people in there as well so it's quite daunting to take mm-hmm. over but that is why i was sorry that's that was one of the reasons that i came aboard yeah. and bill is just fantastic um so the longer he stays the more likely i am of success but i know that eventually he will want to take his well-earned retirement sure and i'm you know some people say, are you nervous about it? Are you intimidated? Are you this or that? I'm just excited. You know, it's just such a cool job. Yeah. And there's so many. Don't forget, Bill is in charge of like a big team of people. Right. And there's so many talented people there. There's people who've worked there for 45 years and they've still got another 10 to go. You know, there's people who are just absolutely are so passionate about these two distilleries. People so passionate about Glenmorangie. People so passionate about Ardbeg. Yeah. So Bill leads this team and to take over eventually of that team. That gives me confidence that it's going to be a success. But... The longer Bill stays there, the more chance more you I can kind of ensure you're doing exactly good work. The yeah, more I know, learning. I'm doing the right thing. But so far, so good. That's it's amazing. This is the Astar is it's just really lovely, and oh, to be able you. to sip it with you is again really a pleasure. And having 
Dan be so accommodating. You know, it's great working with Glenn Morangy and tasting our bags and going. Yeah, and you got it as well, Glenn yeah. Morangy. Nailed yeah. it. Nailed the pronunciation. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> So it took like four times. <laughs> uh, but then I was like, more, I'll, I'll start rolling the R's and stuff. Just nah, that's what you want to do. You want to speak a Scottish accent, roll yeah. your R's. <laughs> well, I, I hope that the rest of this Texas travels and all the rest of the time here in the States, it's really fruitful. It's, it was just brilliant getting to chat with you. And I think, thank you so much for taking the time out, man. And I'll huh? see you tomorrow night, certainly. So. Yeah, thank you very much. And I'll see you tomorrow. We try some ano. Yeah, we have to, yeah. It's a date. Thanks. Chat soon. Well, there we have it. Head of maturation for Glenn Morangy and Ardbeg, Mr. Brennan McCarran, talking about lots of different things, things I like to talk about. But I'll tell you what, this was the conversation. I was relatively unfamiliar. Of course, I'd seen bottles of Glenn Morangy and Ardbeg across the bar many times throughout my travels and here in Austin, Texas. But this was the first man who is the conduit into the juice. Such an easygoing guy. I love some movies. And to sip the 2018 release of Astar Glenn Morangy with him, beautiful beautiful whiskey and then the following night at whiskeys of the world here in austin texas finally trying his concoction his baby his creation for ardbeg and oh a beautifully rich and px finished scotch from ardbeg it is something that you should aspire to drink it's so inexpensive too it's almost mind-boggling but dan kroll thank you so much for making this chat happen my apologies for taking so long to release it but you know what there's no better time than the present to think about scotch and sip it as well so thanks everybody for listening to show to v with mike g no matter how sucked in you are to how to get away with murder now that it's on netflix and it's full four seasons or if you're thinking scandal really really went out with a very very minimal bang please keep dancing